Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Big time fireworks on Monday night. We had some really, really scary type of uh, altercation happen there on the middle of the floor in Mile High City. Miami Heat trailing by double digits to the Nuggets. Markeith Morris elbows Nicole Jokic in the midsection. Joker doesn't like it, comes back, throws a giant shoulder block. I'm talking giant shoulder block when Markeith's body was turned. They even had a stretcher possibly come out with Markeith. Thankfully, he walked out on his own power. But then a battle ensues and a war of words. Jimmy Butler's telling people to meet him in the back, meet him in the parking lot, wherever. After the game, the Heat are standing in the hallway, waiting outside of a door. Those two teams meet in a few weeks. So that we'll probably have to remember. There's also a overtime game on the West Coast. Because West Coast teams, Western Conference teams, do not want me to go to bed. These always have to go to overtime. But Los Angeles Lakers prevailing over the Charlotte Hornets, 126 to 123. Big effort out of AD. A lot of people don't like the way that his play style is sometimes, but he is who he is. And it's all about the mid-range game with him. Blocking shots, grabbing rebounds. The really solid job there. Carmelo Anthony still just recklessly good as a catch-shoot specialist this year. And that's what I want to get into first. But this is Keep It at 94. Your boys, Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Another episode brought to you in part by the basketballnews.com podcast network. So I want to kick it out with the Lakers because that's the game that I watched the most of, honestly, on Tuesday. And I want to get Brian's opinion here as he is a fan of the purple and gold. So I will give the floor to him and then I will provide my thoughts. Oh, you really want to do that? What? what would- yeah, but I know that you want to shoot. I know you want to <laughs> shoot from the hip right now. And then I'm going to come in with the either the calmer effect or I'm going to come in and just kind of give my observations. I know this is coming a day after the Lakers had a nice win at home in overtime against the Hornets in a game in which Anthony Davis played really, really well. He put up 32 points and despite the bad finger, despite that, apparently he's been throwing up for the uh, previous day. Uh, because he's got some kind of stomach illness and he gutted his way through it. Couldn't do it the uh, day before. He only played uh, like seven minutes, but he uh, he played the entire game. Uh, that was the night that night. the uh, Blazers won. Yes. So, but here here would be 
my nuts and bolts, uh, explain the Lakers 2021 season for everybody with the way that this team is made up the, you know, the construction of this roster. They're not winning a championship. They're just not. If you look at the way this team is made up, it's just not going to happen. And I'm not going to put the blame just on one person because that's what everybody wants to do. Everybody wants to put the blame on Russell Westbrook. But here's the thing about that. There are no secrets about the way that Russell Westbrook plays. Everybody knew. The only people that weren't scared away from it, though, were LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers front office because they still decided to go ahead and to make that trade. Bottom line, two seasons ago, which is only a year ago, everybody talked about how the Lakers did not shoot very well. But they were a dominant defense, and they won the championship off of that defense. Go to last season. You had the injuries with LeBron. You had the injuries with uh, Anthony Davis. Their defense carried them through the season, but it wasn't enough because their offense struggled even more, especially because of those injuries. If the Lakers had stayed healthy, though, they might have taken out the Suns in the playoffs. And who knows how far they would have gone at that point. Could they have made it to the finals? Could they have uh, repeated? We don't know, but it was still a really strong team. Problem was they weren't healthy. And they had made roster changes to last year's team as well because, remember, they went out, they traded some defense with Danny Green, uh, and they went and got Dennis Schroeder because part of the thing was they felt like they need to get better offensively. We'll give up a little defense, but we need to get better offensively. And they even went away from what they did when it came to their bigs. They let Dwight Howard walk. Uh, they let JaVale McGee walk. Say what you will about both of those guys, especially JaVale, but they were a big part of that team. And they decided to go with Marcus Gasol. By the end of the season, they had Andre Drummond on that team. So they went away from what they had been doing. Then come to this season, and they still felt like we need more offense. Our offense struggled so bad last year. We need more offense. We need somebody to carry this team offensively when LeBron's not on the floor. And right now he's not on the floor because of an injury. So LeBron and AD courted, met with Russell Westbrook. They felt comfortable enough about it. And they decided we can make this work. And they sold ownership on it. And ownership in the front office decided to say, okay, we agree with you guys. We will do it. They didn't have to, but they did it. And this is the team you see now because the Lakers have gotten away from their core principle, and that is defense. That's why Frank Vogel was brought in. He's a defensive coach. We all know that. But we all know the warts that come with a Russell Westbrook. But it's not just him. It's what they had to give up for Russ, and they gave up their best defenders, their best wing defenders. They gave up. Contavious called Will Pope. Say what you will about him offensively. Streaky shooter, they gave him up. They gave up Cal Kuzma, much improved wing defender. Maybe didn't fit that great in the Lakers offense, and we saw some struggles there, but there are some days where he played really good offensively in that system, and he always played really good defense. But the Lakers said, we will give up those two guys, and we do not see a value in Alex Caruso, who is another one of their better defenders. So, And they just let him walk for nothing. And... 
which was, I understand, going to cost them a lot of money when it came to the luxury tax. But they they said, you know what? We are going to put a bigger value on keeping Taylor Horton Tucker and believing that he is going to take a huge leap and this guy is going to be a star in this league. So we will reward him, even though we haven't seen it yet, we will reward him. And because of that, we're going to let Alex Caruso walk to the Bulls. You know, Caruso wanted to stay. The Lakers didn't even make him an offer. He got a good offer for the Bulls. The Lakers said, sounds good, Alex. Go enjoy your time in Chicago. Thanks for everything. With Russ, we know what's going to happen. The same things that Russell Westbrook has done the last few years, he's, they're going to happen here again. He will have his nights offensively or he's good. Problem is he misses way too many shots. He has not just turnovers, but bad turnovers. He struggles when there are tight games down the stretch. Uh, he shoots too quickly, you know, on offensive sets. Say that what you want, though. There will be nights when he dominates games and he plays well. But he does not play defense. And the Lakers gave away all their better defenders. They have gotten away from their core principles of this. And you look at this team now. They do not play defense. And I know that they're still not healthy, but they don't play defense. The offense is still scatterbrained. And yes, it's early in the season, but these are warts that I don't know if they can be overcome because the way that this roster is made up. And on top of all of that, LeBron James is in his 19th season. And while he is still a very, very, very good player when he plays, we started to see a change in his game in the beginning of the season. And maybe this was done on purpose where you could see that he's getting away from contact and he's taking more jump shots, making a lot of them, but it's not the same LeBron that we see in the past, but now he's getting dinged up. We saw him get dinged up last season where he missed a chunk of the season with the ankle injury. Now he's got an abdominal injury where we don't know how long he's going to be out for. Some people say it's going to be a week. Some people say it could be a month or even longer, but this is what happens to players in their 19th season. And I know that LeBron James is a freak of nature and who knows when he's going to come back and how dominant he's going to be. I expect him to still be very good. I don't think we're going to see the dominant freight train LeBron James that we've seen in the past. And he doesn't necessarily have to be that for the Lakers to win, but I don't know if they can count on him the same way, but regardless, even if he had stayed healthy and we got the LeBron James, we've seen at the beginning of the season, this team is not made up right. And the people I think mostly to blame for that are LeBron and AD for insisting on getting a player uh, and giving up players that had already been part of a championship team and Lakers ownership in front office because they're the ones that signed off on it. They could have said no. And it's not just, oh, they could have made the deal and gotten Buddy healed. Maybe that would have worked out better. Uh, we don't know. And they wouldn't have given up as many because it was just going to be Kuzma and Montrez Harrell, who was not going to be back anyway. Um, so they could have kept KCP and maybe they would have kept Caruso at that point. We don't even know. They might have let him go too. Um, or even if they hadn't done that deal, there might have been other things that were out there where they could have even kept those guys. And I know they desperately wanted to change this team. I always wondered if they needed to change it because I'm, I'm bigger on chemistry than I guess the Lakers are. And I think some other people are as well because I didn't even like the moves that they made the season before, especially when you have a championship team. I understand tweaking and trying to look forward and, you know, make sure that you keep your championship window open. 
but the way that they constructed this roster has been a bit of a mess and I don't think they can recover from it. And people talked about this in the off season and said, I don't know what they're going to do. And I don't know how this is going to work. And other people are going to say, well, it's superstars. That's what the Lakers do. And they'll make it work. And you got LeBron and you got AD, but they, it's going to be really, really tough for them to overcome this roster, even when they do get healthy. Cause they're counting on a lot of different things. There's a lot of ifs and a lot of ands and a lot of buts. And I don't think it's going to be as bad as the 2012 season, the infamous bringing Dwight Howard and Steve Nash season, but this team does not look like a championship contender. And, um, you know, now they're, they're stuck with Russell Westbrook and this roster for probably, you know, two more seasons. We'll see how it goes, but um, the way that they look right now, and I don't think it's going to get that much better. um, I don't think you're going to see the Lakers contending for a championship this season. Wow. Take a drink of water, take a bow. You just did a whole routine right there. And I did that off the top of my head because that's the way I I feel. And you know what the thing is too? I gave you the floor, man. I gave you you the floor and you ran with it. Here's the thing. I'm a Laker fan, but I'm a realist and I'm an NBA fan first and foremost. Okay. And I look at this and like I said, I believe in chemistry and I believe in a certain style of ball. That's why you have Frank Vogel. Let's play to the coach's strengths. And and the coach had a roster that played to those strengths as well. And, you know, you're going to sit there and go, oh, well, wait till they get, you know, LeBron gets healthy and you get Kendrick Nunn and uh, you get Trevor Reza and Taylor Horton Tucker. Okay, let's see. But, man, that's a lot of ifs. It's the on-paper stuff. It's like on-paper versus, you know, what you grow continuously. And my my biggest concern here is seeing, you know, and and – Kudos to this kid because he's playing his ass off this year, but Austin Reeves is legitimately in their rotation right now, getting probably somewhere around 25 to, to 28 minutes a night. Right, And now. he's going to have to stay in that rotation. Even when this team gets healthy, you know, you're depending on, you know, Wayne Ellington, who is also aging, but also, you know, a solid sniper, but at the same time, like he played 24 minutes in this game. Uh, you know, just looking at what you're getting from two starters, uh, not even playing, uh, 20 minutes a night. Um, Avery Bradley, you're leaning on him to defend everybody on the perimeter because the other guys can't get it done and can't keep up with some of these faster players. The only but- reason the Lakers are six and five or that good right now, say what you want about six and five, is because Carmelo Anthony is shooting the lights out. He's the best catch shooter in the NBA right now. He's hitting there's like no, 50% no of his threes on catch and shoot. And most of that these great shooting nights are on their home court. And like the second he puts the ball on the floor, you could probably count him as like a 35, 40% shooter, but catch and shoot. He is lights out. Yeah. Lights out. Absolutely. And had it not been for him, the the Lakers are are staring down five and six. I mean, it's just the way it is. The, the, the Hornets weren't able to capitalize on multiple wide open three point shot opportunities. Uh, Terry Rozier uh, in specific, coming down um, on the fast break, two missed threes there um, at the end of regulation uh, in the, in the final, like two minutes or something like that. But, um, and, and kudos to him, by the way, best performance since he's been back from injury at 29 points um, struggled from deep a little bit, but, but was really getting to the rim. Really happy to see that uh, from Terry Rozier, but beside the point with the Lakers, I'm watching Russ and I, I, one, I'm glad that he stopped taking the threes. 
He stopped taking the threes. He is getting inside a little bit more. He is still taking those mid-rangers a little too much, but that's just live and die by that with Russell Westbrook. That's just his career. That's what it is. But I, I like seeing the 10 free throw attempts uh, getting inside. What I hate to see is, is the turnovers, man. Like trying to fit stuff into tight windows, uh, being reckless, uh, like you said, when it comes to the end-of-game situations. Like he just flat-out lost the ball against Oklahoma City. I saw this past week. Uh, in trying to drive to the rim. Well, like, he also wants to be things. the guy late in games that takes the big shot. And he's never been a guy to hit the big shot like in the moment. You know, I, I think between that, the bad turnovers, like you said, but also like he takes, he he likes to just dribble down the court and immediately take a shot sometimes, like and not even set up the offense. And just the volume of shots that he takes, like even in the win against Charlotte, he only took 15 shots and he got to the free throw line. That's what they need. They don't need the guy that's taking 20 to 25 shots per night. And I don't care who's in the lineup. I mean, I, I don't care if, you know, both LeBron and AD are missing. Like he doesn't need to be taking that many shots. Like I think somewhere like 12 to 15, that's a sweet spot. That, that's what he needs and to read the offense and get to the free throw line and kind of control things and set things up a little bit better because the reason why the Lakers end up winning that game, quite honestly, isn't just because of Anthony Davis. It's because he was being set up by Rajon Rondo. That's what I wanted to mention next, Brian. I mean, when I see that Rajon Rondo played 12 minutes, Russell Westbrook played 41 minutes. In Russell Westbrook's 41 minutes, a minus 17. In Rajon Rondo's 12 minutes, a plus 20. And I'm not a big plus minus guy. But, I mean, to do that with zero points and have eight dimes, um, to be a plus 20 on the court, almost the best player um, on the roster there. Wayne Ellington was a plus 21. Um, you know, Malik Monk was a plus 15. Uh, but Spencer, are, he had eight assists in 12 minutes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and he had a, a key steal, too, down the stretch. Yeah. Whenever they were using him. Don't play the Rondo Westbrook lineups together anymore, though, Frank. Don't do Wait, that. Let, let me ask you this. Okay, so when, when LeBron gets healthy, and we know – that the Lakers are still going to be tinkering with their lineup and we'll see what happens, you know, with, with different things, but because they are so short on wings, even when they get a Reza back. Okay. And who knows when that guy's going to be healthy because he's older, we knew he was going to miss at least two months and he's got to get back in shape and whatnot. Okay. But I do wonder because of the way that Carmelo is playing, what do you think the Lakers lineup is going to be? Even when LeBron gets healthy, do they, do they have to, get to a point where they say not only does AD have to start at center, but we have to start Carmelo or is he so important no. off the bench? They got to no. bring him too off, important the bench. off the bench. Too important yeah. off the bench. Don't take him out of his niche right now. He has a groove offensively. We haven't seen him shoot like this uh, in quite some time, even though he was very important in, in Portland and did his thing in Portland. We haven't seen him this kind of locked in from beyond the arc uh, in a while. So the guy that's I think you losing playing time, like yeah, the guy that's going to end up losing playing time if he keeps playing like this, to me, is going to be Kent Bazemore because mm -hmm. he has not been – he's he's hit some corner threes, but he has not been playing as great. And, you know, everybody can, you know, talk about the Lakers lineup and they got to get AD in, in there at the five. But I I still think that, you know, Vogel is, like, hesitant to do that until maybe the end of the season. But I think there's going to be a point where they have to say – okay, you know, this team was built around having more offense 
And to really unlock having more offense, that's going to be AD at the five. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're looking too at the the lack of playing time that Malik Monk's gotten too. I mean, shoot. You yeah, said his has been up and down, defense, but it's because yeah. Malik Monk weighs 170 pounds and doesn't play defense and yeah. gets pushed around out in the court. He's a, he can be a microwave though. So it'll probably be like the, you know, kind of on feel of that night. But I, here's what I'm looking at. I look at what the Lakers schedule has been like to this point. Other than the first three games of the season, it's been pretty. It's easy light. And yeah, light. super light. Now you're probably going to have a little bit more after this week. So they have, okay. So they have the heat at home next on Wednesday night. Um, and then they close the home four game home, five game home stand, excuse me, uh, on Monday against the bulls. Then they go on this East coast road trip where I'd say, you know, two or three teams are, are difficult. Like it looks like the front half of their schedule is not, not too difficult. So on the bright side, they can at least try and find a groove, you know, like I think that's going to be important to when it gets to January and February and that stuff. And you mentioned LeBron being in year 19 and then having, you know, these little aches and pains. That is a sign of a father time. But here's the other thing. Um, and I'll do this in a football, you know, analogy. But when I was watching Tom Brady in his first, like, two months with the Bucks last year, and he was looking awful, didn't know what he was doing and stuff like that, dealing with injuries, they, they folded the cards on him. I can't fold my cards on Braun. And I know you're not saying that, but I can't fold my cards on Braun until it literally is, that's it. You know, like, because he is just such a transcendent, transcendent uh, superstar that has so much to give still uh, to this game. I don't know. We'll see where he's at with the, you know, the chemistry of this team. He doesn't seem quite as enthused, I guess. Uh, on the bench, but that's also probably because he really wants to play. Uh, but it's uh, I, I can't fold my cards on Braun. I can't. I can't. Like I, like like I said, my my biggest problem, and this was even in the off season. It's I'm not going to put all the blame on Russ. I put the blame on you went and got Russ, knowing everything that he brings to the table, especially not playing defense. And you gave up your two best wing defenders and you let your other best wing defender walk in free agency for nothing. And you competed over the last two years at a high level, including winning a championship predicated on your defense and you abandoned that. And, and yeah, I know your offensive numbers were not that great and they needed to improve, you know, two years ago when they won the championship, some of that improvement might've just been because they were in the bubble and it seemed like shooting was way up And last season. I get it that you didn't shoot as well, but they, instead of just kind of going around the edges a little bit, they just totally abandoned uh, one thing. And that, that was their defense. Defense at least would keep you in games. I think, I think you could go out and you could find shooting a little bit around the edges. That's things you could tweak with. Sometimes shooting comes and goes a little bit. So, if you stay healthy and you play defense, I think you'd be in a lot of games. It's just now you don't have guys 
that really play hard or embrace defense. So you you have a few, but you don't have enough on the perimeter. And that's, that's where the problem basically is. It's on the perimeter. You still have Anthony Davis on the interior and you, you can, you can play good enough on the interior defense. It's, you know, out on the perimeter where the Lakers just get smoked and there's only so much you could do once a guy blows by you. This has been Lakers therapy brought to you by, of course, keeping it 94 is Brian Fritz. I'll bring it to you every week right here on this podcast. Well done. Well done. There was other stuff that happened though on uh, Monday night. We are recording this on a Tuesday late afternoon. Steph Curry. You know, everyone's asking, oh, what's going on with Steph's numbers? Because, you know, the Warriors are 9-1 and one right now, and so the, the conversation has to shift because other guys are stepping up and doing great. You're looking at Jordan Poole, who's having a tremendous season. Draymond looks great. You're seeing the emergence of Gary Payton II. Shout out to uh, Kelsey O'Brien, by the way. She had an interview with him when he was in the G League last year. Knows talent. But they're like, oh, why is Steph not producing at the rate that he's usually producing at? I don't know, maybe because the team's playing better. It's that easy, right? So in order to shut everybody up, Chef Curry goes out, drops a 50 spot on the Hawks against Trey Young just to let the youngin know who's the boss still. So Curry goes out, drops 50, dishes out 10 assists, grabs seven boards. Nine of those field goals were three-pointers. Steph just can do it anytime he really wants to. He really can. He can turn it on anytime he wants to. And I think that's the scariest part. He wasn't only doing it for threes either. He went 13 and 13 from the line. You know, his teammates have been picking him up really uh, this season as some of our stars have kind of taken a, a step back percentage wise. Um, not by any means that he's not having a great year, but anything under 40% from deep is not Steph-like, anything under 47, 48 uh, from the field is not Steph-like. And that's where he's at right now, (laughs) average-wise. But he just went out and he said, ah, you know, I'm facing Trey Young. Trey's going to think he's the the man right now. Ah, no, I got this. I got this. I'll take all my shots this time. It's only the second time in the season that he's taken 28 or shot, 28 more shots or, or, uh, or more because the other guys are picking it up. Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, um, again, uh, Gary Payton Jr. Or, or the second, the last uh, few games, um, you know, just Andrew Wiggins being uh, aggressive. So this is what's good about the Warriors right now it is he can go, go off at any time, but it's not necessarily that they have to have him go off. And I'm looking at like margin of victory and they've had, a little bit easier of a schedule, you could say, too. But the Warriors look very strong. They look like the Warriors. And they're still waiting on Clay Thompson. They're still waiting on James Wiseman. They're in a good spot. And it, at least through 10 games, Brian and I can look at each other and, and go back to our season preview podcast. And we look kind of smart. I wish I had even put them even higher now because we both had them fourth. You know, <laughs> you look you look at this team and people look at their makeup and and so many guys have stepped up so far. I mean, they're number one uh, in defensive efficiency, ninety five 
0.9 a game. And then offensive efficiency, they're second at 110 and a half. Philly is the only team that's ahead of them right now. Um, and they're, you know, not even at 100%. You know, we're they're going to get Wiseman back here. They're going to get Clay Thompson back. And who knows? Maybe they'll even take a half step back, you know, as they're integrating those two guys into the system. Maybe, maybe not. But, I mean, they're 9-1, and one, and the one loss was a game they should have won at home against the Grizzlies. You know, that was a tight game. And they have, you know, you know for the, the first, you know, seven, eight games, they were, they've played some close games. You know, they're not necessarily blowing everybody out, but they're winning games, and you can see it improving, 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 and, and you know, Steph's getting his shooting touch back even more, and um, you can see the confidence rising in this team because they've got these guys now that are contributing in ways that they had never contributed before. You know, when you talk about the Jordan Pools and the Damian Lees, you know, Bielitsa, um, even Otto Porter Jr., you know, that dude looks normal. You know, again, he he looks like the guy like he was three years ago. Um, and he's fit right into this team. I, and I think that's one of the more impressive things, too, when it comes to the Warriors, just how seamlessly it seems like when they bring in a player, they fit into the system. And that's the credit you have to give Steph and Draymond and, uh, you know, Coach Steve Kerr, you know, for what they've done, you know, bringing in these guys and them, uh, you know, fitting in pretty easily. And I, I think it also starts on the defensive end. Um, you know, I don't know how extremely reliable basketball references, but it's the only thing I have in front of me right now. But I was just really curious because I've been seeing some of these box scores and seeing some of the, the, the off nights that the opposition has been having against these, these guys, uh, according to basketball reference, nobody on this team has a defensive rating above 105 and 10 players have a defensive rating below 100 and that's points per 100 possessions. That's incredible. Um, individually guys buying in um, again, that starts with the head of the snake and Draymond. I think that Kevon Looney uh, deserves a lot more, um, you know, respect on the defensive end, uh, especially the past couple of years uh, developing as, as somebody who, who can really uh, get in there and, and, and bang with the, the bigs uh, despite being a little undersized. Um, but I feel like they're just kind of taking on their own identity of stealing the ball, getting out in transition and making teams pay. And I think that's evidence not only by that statistic, but also that I'm counting one, two, three, four guys are averaging above a steal a game too. So like that only supports that argument and the perimeter defense and um, really making it easy to get out in transition and get those threes up. They just buy in to the whole system on both ends of the court, but especially defensively, like you said, and you know, to, to watch them, it is just so much fun right now. And when Steph has a game, like he did on Monday night, you know, putting up a 50, I mean, it's incredible to watch. And, you know, I, I want to see this team once they do get healthy, I want to see them in two months from now, you know, if they continue to play this well and they get those guys back, I want to see the growth and development of a James Wiseman and how he fits into the system, you know, and how much different of a player he is from year one to year two. And, I definitely want to see Clay Thompson back because we've missed this guy for two years. I mean, one of the greatest shooters in NBA history and just a huge part of this team um, and um, both ends of the court because he was so dominant defensively as well that uh, I hope to get Clay back and, and see him back, you know, looking like the old Clay. And um, they, I mean, they're already really, really good, but man, they could be really scary if Clay is anywhere close to what he once was 
and they can, you know, get Wiseman playing, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes a game where he just focuses on defense and rebounding, setting picks. No question. No question. And sorry, I thought you paused there. I thought, I thought you were going to have another thought. That's my bad. Uh, but I, I did want to also kind of jump over to the Eastern conference. We had a, uh, battle potentially, you know, two contenders, uh, the bulls and the nets. And, uh, until the fourth quarter, this was a, a barn burn. It was a great game. And the bulls came out and punched them in the damn throat to end this game. And it, it's, it's kind of a, a recurring theme with these bulls. It seems like they bring their best in the fourth quarter. Uh, specifically what I want to focus on here with the bulls. I mean, DeMar DeRozan has been getting all the love as he should be, should be. Uh, having a tremendous career season as a shooter, um, scorer, doing all that. Uh, you know, we're not talking about the fit right now because they're they're just so um, bought into the sense of team. Uh, but I'm looking at a rookie like Io DeSunmo uh, coming in, putting in 11 points off off the bench in the fourth quarter, uh, four or five from the field coming in, uh, doing his thing. I, I love what I'm seeing again from Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine looking like. Uh, just an amazing uh, playmaker and, and, and selfless with the basketball. Uh, I'm loving the, just the overall balance of this team. Caruso being as good as he's been defensively off the bench, not to rub salt in the wound, like, but he's been huge for them. Um, It's, it's big when you get these kinds of efforts um, just team wide, Uh, even Javante green had 11 points and seven boards. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you need all of that when you're going against the Nets who have just a, a destroyer of worlds and Kevin Durant, like, and you never know. I mean, James Harden can always go off so far. Uh, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge has been the guy for the, for the Nets that I think has been the, the most pleasant surprise. And he's getting quite a bit of, of run playing 20 minutes a night and, and looking really efficient in doing so. But, um, it was a good, it was a good battle up until that fourth quarter, but they just really punched him in the face. They did, you know, and when it comes to Brooklyn, there's still a lot of question marks there because Harden still isn't right. He's still getting into shape and, you know, as good as Durant is, something is still a little bit off with them. I more offensively. Joe Harris, bro. You, I yeah, I mean, you look at their offensive efficiency right now on a team that has Kevin Durant, okay, Take away even James Harden, you know, and you, but especially if you have him. But I mean, they're 17th right now in the league in offensive efficiency. Something ain't clicking right now. And it, so it's not just on one guy. Harden's a big part of that. But yeah, they need more from Joe Harris. And, um, you know, we'll see if that works their way out. But the Bulls, to me, one of the big biggest reasons why I had a lot of questions about them and some other people did was because I just looked at the pieces they had and I go, it's going to take time to build chemistry. And I don't know how good they're going to be defensively because this was a team that was not good defensively last year. And I know that they've got some different parts, but you're not exactly talking about defensive players outside of Caruso. However, this team has worked. Because Zach Levine has bought in a lot more defensively. We even saw that over the summer when it came to TU USA. And, you know, DeRozan's come in. He plays solid defense. I mean, he's not going to shut anybody down. But he he's makes getting you, older. Yeah, and he, but he makes you work, you know. Caruso plays great defense. Ball plays really good defense. 
you know, Vooch isn't going to get it done. But here's the thing. Like, they all are playing hard, and they're playing, you know, good perimeter defense. So they're making teams have to work to try to get into the lane or, you know, get a good shot up late into the shot clock, different things like that. So, hey, they bought into the system, and these guys are playing hard. And you've seen it play out so far, you know, when it comes to the record. And, and by the way, too, like under Rosen, you guys got to check this out on basketballnews.com. Nikaias Duncan did an amazing job uh, of showing uh, the, the impact he's had offensively on that team and just why he's having such what seems like an easy time uh, of getting to his spots and making his shots. So uh, be sure to check that out on basketballnews.com. The last thing I wanted to address um, as far as Monday goes, um, I kind of mentioned it in the opener, but Nicole Jokic and Markeith Morris got in a little bit of a tussle. Um, as I said before, a tussle. We was, have a blood feud in the NBA going on. We do. It, it's another one of those cases where you're just like, wow, this is really, this is the NBA. There's never a day that goes by without something. And this morning after the jo- the Joker, Keith, uh, exchange where Morris elbowed Nicole Jokic in the midsection. And then again, Jokic came out and shoulder tackled Markeith when he had his back turned. Um, I'm laughing because I, at least I know that Keith is okay. And he didn't go out on the stretcher that was come out. Well, how about the Jokic uh, but, now after the fact is like, man, I feel kind of bad. I saw his head snap back, you know, after I saw a replay, it's like, yeah, you almost took his head off when you hit him from behind. But I mean, I don't think Nicola knows how big he is. Right. Like he is a lot of dude. He is a lot of dude. I mean, it's not like Marquise Morris is some shrimp, but like he decked him. Uh, and yeah, his, his next snap back. And, uh, you know, Jokic was obviously remorseful about it, said all that stuff probably has a suspension coming. I'm sure we'll figure that out uh, as the days come here, but uh you know, the heat waiting for them in the hallway, Jimmy Butler barking over at them, talking about come meet me out back. That like, was nuts. I, I love that they have this this photo of like four or five members of the heat like waiting for them, like in some hallway. But there's like security right there. It's like, come fight me right where security is at when we know nothing will happen. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that the heat wouldn't have fought them because tempers are flaring. Those guys, they're like, hey, you know, we're ready to go. But at the same time, I'm like, there's security around. I mean, it's kind of a show thing, but oh yeah, this, and it, this, it is on the it is on the court too. You know, like yeah, the, the vets are always like, nobody's gonna fight. No one's Ooh. gonna fight. Read, read Kenyon Martin's article on basketballnews.com. Like these guys are are gonna talk, 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 but no one's gonna actually put up fists. You you know, like, the greatest guy to ever do that was right. Put up fists to the what acted like he wanted to go but never did. Talk to me. Kevin Garnett, the greatest hold me back guy. Cause Kevin would always, you know, he's one of the greatest trash talkers in the NBA and he would talk a big game and you'd get in everybody's face and get under your skin and he looked like he wanted to fight. But when it came time to fight, he was always the guy like jaw, jaw, jaw. And it was like, Hey, stand in front of me. So I don't have to really fight. Ah, I'm going to get you, man. Be, da, 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 da. He, he's the greatest NBA guy ever to do that. They've singed hashed it out, but Kenyon actually called him a porch puppy. In, in right, that right. in that article, uh, and that actually went viral. That was one of our articles that went but I mean, viral. But when it comes to this whole situation, the Morris twins are not dirty, but 
they're hard edge old school guys that play to get under your skin they're gonna throw the shoulder and they're gonna throw the elbow and things like that and i mean they're they're not intent to hurt somebody but there's intent behind them and that they're trying to rough you up a bit they want to intimidate you too. yeah exactly you know and this is i mean we saw that from Marquise the last two years of the Lakers. Marcus has done it his entire career, especially when he was with the Celtics. You know, it's one of the reasons why the Clippers got him as well, um, because they want that mentality. And, you know, now you have this incident, and it's spilled over where, you know, Marcus is like, oh, you know, we're not going to talk on social media. You know, they got a game coming up later on in the month and the Jokic brothers are responding as well on Twitter. You know, how hilarious is this, Brian? Let's let our audience know what happened this morning, (laughs) this morning, a random account comes up, no picture, no background, none of this. And you see at Jokic brothers. So Marcus Morris tweets out last night, waited till bro turn his back, shaking my head noted. The account apply, uh, replies to this uh, uh, late late Tuesday morning that says, you should leave this the way it is instead of publicly threatening our brother. Your brother made a dirty play first. If you want to make a step further, be sure we will be waiting for you. Jokic brothers. It was like signed Jokic brothers. Like it's a freaking letter or something. That's the best part. But is, listen, it's, it's the Jokic brothers sign their tweet, Jokic brothers at the end. Jokic brothers. And then he repeats, uh, Marcus Morris replies, you got the right ones, believe that. Jokic brothers say an hour ago, I don't believe, I know that. So here's the funny part. The Jokic brothers account, you could easily think someone's doing a parody or something like that. But Mike, Mike, Mike Singer of the Denver Post reports this morning that he got a text from one of Jokic's brothers that is a legitimate account. So we have a legitimate war of words going on on Twitter. By the way, between the Morris twins and the Jokic brothers. And I don't know about you, Brian. You know me and you on wrestling, all that stuff. This sounds like a good old tag team match. The Jokic brothers have 32,000 followers on their Twitter account now. They follow one account. Who's that one person they follow? Jamal Murray. (laughs) Not even their brother. <laughs> I don't think they know how to use Twitter. It's outstanding. It's outstanding. It's a legit dude. Like the fact that it's real, that it's not a parody. Like it's funny as hell, even if it's a parody. But the fact that this is actually Nikola Jokic's flesh and blood creating a Twitter account because somebody told them that one of the Morris twins said something about Nikola Jokic. And then they came to his defense online. And then so <laughs> there is a threat both ways of a fight happening. I feel like I'm in, an, I'm in some other place. I mean, we've seen it all here at the NBA, man. We've seen it from cops getting called to tunnels being buried at the bottom of arenas to God knows what, barricading a free agent inside of his house. Like, there's everything that happens in this league. Um this is another one of those instances that that's just entertaining. And I don't know if they're going to meet up come November 29th when the uh, market nuggets- on your calendar down in Miami. Seriously, man. I mean, it's not far away. It, are the Jokic brothers coming over to the, to the States? Oh, they is have that- to, man. They gotta be uh, at that game, right? 
They have to. It's in Miami too. Oh God, there's all sorts of. They need they need to beef up some security there. They have to dress. There like, will only be there will only be one Morris brother there though. That's the only that's the right. other thing. But I mean, they have to dress like uh, awkward Eastern Europeans on vacation in Miami. I mean, all of it. Just go all out, man. Go all out. But that was a bit of the. Uh... <laughs> that was crazy, man. Because well, here's the other thing too, like. Markeith obviously hit Jokic coming down the court. He gave him a shoulder. And Jokic, and who knows what happened prior to that in the game, and Jokic was just frustrated by the game too. But, I mean, to hit him the way that he did from behind. Yeah, I mean, not, not cool. My, my opinion on this is that, yeah, we probably shouldn't see that. Like, I'm not one of those people that's like violence is never the answer. No, you got to stand up for yourself. I understand that. But to the degree that he did it to almost putting someone on a stretcher. Yeah. You probably got to take it down a notch and not get lost in the movement and lose your cool. Got to right. have some emotional intelligence. Got to be able to react a little better than that. Even a shove would have been better than decking the guy from behind. Oh, exactly. Or if you really wanted to get into it, spin him around and be like, get in his face and shove him, right, you yeah. know, push don't, him don't down, do it, something like that. Do back turned. Don't yeah. give him a forehand, you know, shiv from behind. And that, that's the only thing. I mean, I, I he loaded up, dude. Like, oh my can't god! Bang, dude. Markeith Morris is six foot ten. Jokic is seven foot three, and he's what two eighty? And that's him slimmed down. Right. I mean, that's, come on, that's incredible. And and he put him down too. Like that. That was a moment. That was a moment. I'm glad everyone's okay. Hopefully, nothing actually happens too much to where any of these guys is get injured or anything like yeah, that. And but I, I don't a, want to see him meeting on a back, you know, you know, in the back hallway or back alley. You know, I don't want there to be an anchor man fight between these two teams, no. you know, but you know, it's going to get physical the next time they play on the court. And, oh, you and, know and, and I'll say with this too. Okay. Without it, you know, escalating is some true fight or violence or anything like that. This is good for the NBA from a standpoint that I like it. If there's rivalries, I like it. If we're looking forward to a, a game because, oh, somebody got in somebody else's face. This happened the last time. Let's see what they're going to do. Now, like I said, I don't want it to get out of control, but guess what? We got a little bit of a rivalry here. Oh, yeah, it's brewing. And, and we don't see that too brewing. often, you know, especially in the NBA when it comes to something like this. Like Miami and Denver is such a random rivalry, oh, too, by absolutely. the way. Like you it just is. think of just the the dynamics and the geographical location. It makes no sense. Just zero sense whatsoever. <laughs> I know. Here, here's the thing. Are we going to – are the Nuggets going to have Michael Porter Jr. by then? Because he, now he's out indefinitely with his back injury. Right. Right. That's – it's a big missing thing. That's a big missing piece. Jokic would be a big missing piece. I think it's only going to be about two games, three max for, yeah. for Joker. Um, but definitely needs to, to be punished for that. But, hey, oh. let me take a second real quick, Bri, uh, and talk about our friends over at Prize Picks because now I actually have some numbers in front of my face and I can have some fun with this. Me being Ohio, I can't exactly take advantage of it, but you being in a Carolina – you can. So let's go through some of these and uh, think about what some of our picks are. Now, remember, uh, we have another podcast called Nothing But Bets, hosted by Evan Sidery. Make sure you go subscribe, like, rate, and comment on that. Read his stuff every day. He has picks for you every day 
uh, through our our friends at uh, Prize Picks, just talking about over unders and doing some player props. And I think the first thing that comes to mind for me, and we're going to get into this actually after we uh, talk about our our picks here, is that Joel Embiid is going to be down for the count here uh, in the uh, COVID protocols. He is joining Tobias Harris. I believe Isaiah Joe is in there. Uh, Significant pieces that are out for the Philadelphia 76ers. So what does that tell you? Looks like Tyrese Maxey is going to be somebody with the ball in his hands, right? So... For instance, all you got to do is go to app.prizepicks.com. And remember, we actually have a code for you. So all users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS on PrizePicks will receive 100, 100% instant deposit uh, matched up to $100. So that link is on our website. Make sure you go follow it. And then you'll see what we see here on the board. So you have points, rebounds, assists, three-pointers made, and free throws made. You can pick two, three, four, or five players, uh, and all you got to do is predict their over and under. Uh, and you can pick, as, as I believe, uh, up to five. And say, I want to say that uh, Tyrese Maxey is going to have more than 16 and a half points. Let's lock that in right now. I also think that there's nobody on the floor that's going to be getting rebounds other than Andre Drummond, especially you're looking at Milwaukee. Bobby Portis is really the only other guy on the floor. And Joel Embiid is obviously sidelined. I don't know who's backing up Andre Drummond at the center position. It seems like 13 and a half rebounds over that is a lock for myself as well. So let's put that in. We'll do over on Tyrese Maxey. We'll do over on uh, Andre Drummond. So Maxey over 16 and a half points and Andre Drummond over 13 and a half rebounds. I think that's a pretty safe bet. That's one of the simple parlays you can do. I know that Brian was a little curious before we started recording. Uh, about these parlays, and he wanted to do a multi-leg one, so uh, we can we can talk through that one real quick. Because I, I like to live dangerously. You can put Tyrese Maxey in there. Two free throws made. Okay, yeah, no, I think that he can get to the line a lot. And I mean, shoot, if he gets to the line three times, that's six free throws. You think he can make fifty percent? I feel like you can lock that in. Absolutely. So go ahead, put that check mark in there too. Why not? Do you like uh, Drew Holiday at? Uh... One and a half three-pointers made. Maybe he hits two of them. Well, I believe that Chris Middleton still is in the protocols. So, ooh, that's a good question. Let's see how Drew's shooting on the air. I know he's been out for most of the season because of, uh, you know, injury. But, uh, right. I mean, he's averaging almost five threes a game and shooting 44% from Hello. Hello. There you go. I think he can make two. (laughs) That's all you have to do, right? Yeah. Cool. So let's make that our parlay. We, we put all that in. Tyrese Maxey over 16 and a half points. Andre Drummond over 13 and a half rebounds. Tyrese Maxey also over two free throws. And Drew Holiday over 1.5 three-pointers made. What would we make on that if our entry is um, a certain amount of, of dollars? What, oh, now we got to actually do this. Okay. So yeah. let me, I got to catch up with you here. So if I do Tyrese Maxey with the over on points... If I do, let me go over here to rebounds and get me some uh, Drummond on the over. And if I go over to the three-pointers made and go to Drew Holiday, and I will take the over on that. And the free throws made with Tyrese Maxey, and I take the over on that. Uh, Notice we didn't take any unders, people, by the way. (laughs) We still went over. Five to one odds. So put in 20, win 100. How about it? How about it? 
Maybe we should do that, Brian. Maybe we should I, put I, it in. And- I, I like that. And by the way, like we said, use the promo code NEWS when you sign up. You get up to a hundred free bucks. You know they'll they'll, they'll match, match you. We'll match you up to a hundred dollars, so you can get up to a hundred free dollars just to play. That's awesome. I, I, as somebody who loves to do player props, you do these all the time because you don't do fantasy leagues. You do. You do this. I just need this to come. I just need my my permissions in Ohio. So I'll be living v- vicariously through you. By the no way, question. that that was a flex play. I could power play this. Twenty dollars a win, two hundred ten to one odds. You have to have all four hit in that one, though. That's the other thing. You got to have all difference. four hit. There, come on, man. There's, there's there's flex play and there's power play. So be sure to check out PrizePicks.com again. Use our promo code News, and you'll get matched up to hundred percent of a hundred dollars. Uh, on anything that you deposit. I'm placing my entry on that right now. Do it. Do it, man. Do Do it. it. I just did it. I just did it. Oh man. Don't you feel, don't you feel so enthused and and, and there's adrenaline pumping through your veins. Oh, I know. I thought I was already an NBA fan. And then now when you have something writing on it. And the thing is like for a a night, like tonight, there's only three games. Those are the ones that, those are the ones I always pick out too, because like those are the ones like where, if there's like 10 different games going on there, you don't know what the hell the stats There's a lot be. going like, on, but you can kind of yeah. target in a little bit more on nights like this. Exactly. And it's a Tuesday night, three games going on. If I had any other suggestions too, um, I'm seeing the Hawks on a back-to-back going into Utah. I'm thinking that the Hawks are going to be mighty flat despite the, the, the hard fought contest with the Warriors. Look like they ran out of some gas. So you're um, just saying Trey young under the 24 and a half. I think I would take Trey Young under 24 and a half, but don't include that in the parlay. That would make it a lot tougher. I already made that. I already made that one, so I'd have to start another parlay. Yep, there you go. There you go. But, yeah, that's our friends over at Prize Picks. Make make sure to go check them out. And, again, promo code's uh, news. So, Brian, uh, we were just talking about the the Sixers because that was uh, uh, in our bet, but uh, they look strong. And and it sucks that they've had this uh, COVID issue come through their locker room. There's about four players. Um, that are sidelined with it right now. Uh, it sounded by the way that Doc Rivers made it um, that Embiid's actually in, you know, experiencing symptoms. So hopefully he he's all right. Uh, but this just adds on top of it with Ben Simmons um, being out as well. There's a lot of the load going to come up on Tyrese Maxey and Furkan Korkmaz. Obviously Seth Curry is going to have, uh, you know, plenty of of offensive load to come his way. But they just need to to keep the ship afloat because they're still at top of the Eastern Conference and um, you know looking good. They have one of the best offenses in basketball right now. They have the uh, number one offense. offense right now. Yep. You know it was 113 a game, but it is going to be tricky right here because like you had no Ben, you got no Tobias Harris for now. We'll see when Embiid comes back because I'm excited. You know who I'm excited for? I'm sorry not to interrupt. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see if they get Paul Reed some run. I like Paul Reed a lot. Uh, he's kind of a funky in between a three, four and five. Um, but I see him as summer league. And I think that he has a lot of potential. Um, he's very, um, I'd say he's very aggressive. Uh, he had an opportunity actually last season uh, in these same protocols when Tyrese Maxey actually had to do the same thing. Um, and one of the guys, you know, some of the, uh, a lot of the team was out with the, the protocols. Uh, came in and played some solid minutes and the, you know, the numbers didn't look sexy across the board. Uh, but Maxi and Reed took full advantage of that. 
So I could see Paul Reed taking advantage of this type of playing time as well. And remember when it comes to like in beat or anybody that enters protocol, you are out for 10 days. Or if you test negative, I'm back to back days, like within uh, 24 hours apart, then you can come out too. Sorry. I forgot. Sure. And Dibble's out as well. So, I mean, they're they're really shorthanded right now and it's going to be very tough for them coming up here without everybody because they've got the game tonight against Milwaukee, then they're home against Toronto. And then they hit the road for six games. Um, and even past that, like they'll have six of the 12 or excuse me, uh, 10 of 12 will be on the road beginning on um, the 13th. That's a testa. So, you know, and then if you're shorthanded on top of that, that that's going to be really, really rough. doesn't mean that everybody in your schedule is incredibly tough, but um, you know, when you're missing, you know, not just one guy or two guys, when you're talking about your, your main, uh, stars that are you know doing things for your team, <laughs> they're missing a lot of pieces right now. So we'll see what they're going to be able to do to get through this and when they can get guys back. Yeah, no question. No question. Uh, you have two teams here on the outline that are actually going to meet up tomorrow. Uh, that'd be a Wednesday, sorry. Uh, and it's actually in my hometown. It's going to be the Cavs and it's going to be the Wizards facing off on uh, Wednesday night. Both teams uh, with seven wins. Both teams in a real groove. Um, I'm thinking this one could be another solid, solid basketball game, uh, almost in the the same vein of uh, the matchup that the Cavs had with the Raptors last week. Um, just teams that are playing mighty hard, playing defense, uh, getting out on the break and, 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 and playing for one another. Um, I, I know that, uh, you know, in the past we've been talking about the Cavs and, you know, we're, thinking about how they can get better and what they can do in the draft and whatnot. But their team now that, that they're not going to sneak up on anybody, they have really, really um, changed their, their toughness. Uh, they're establishing an identity um, and they're not going to be a doormat anymore. Like uh, Darius Garland said uh, last week after the win against the Blazers, he said, no one's going to come in and, and roll us over anymore. Those days are over. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I mean, it looks it- like it. And they're so challenging because they go big and it's a lineup that you look at on paper and go, I don't know if this is really going to work. It's worked in today's NBA. You know, I mean, now the challenge is going to be without Colin Sexton for a while because of his knee injury, but yes, which terrible break, by the way, oh, right. I feel for the, I feel for him uh, most because not having the, the, the contract uh, extension, coming in. Uh, I also feel bad because he was a completely bought in regardless of that. Um, really moving the ball. If you didn't see it on basketballnews.com, I actually uh, did a small piece talking about how he was third on the team in potential assists, even though people want to continue to say that he's a ball hog and doesn't move the ball. Um, He's somebody that has been easily their best rim pressure guy, uh, easily their best player in transition, can get by in a blur, has taken three pointers, even though he hasn't made, you know, that many of the catch shoot three pointers, he's been willing to let them go this year. Uh, you know, just a really bad break for him. That said, this Cavs team is not like the past iterations that have depended on him to be the only guy to score. This is a team that has moved the basketball consistently. It's a different guy every night. There's five to six dudes in the box score with double, you know, double score, uh, double figure scorers. Um, it's, it's a together team um, in every sense of the word. 
And it already feels you know, like the whole team that. is rotating around Evan Mobley. Well, and, that and is definitely what they are are planning on. It, it's amazing because you sit there and you say, you know, a lot of times get to work a rookie in, especially, you know, we know that the Cavs have had their struggles over the year, but at the same time, people said hey, they still got a good young, you know, roster. You know, they, they've got some talent already on this team, but that doesn't stop them from saying this guy is so good. You know, and, and he's a quiet guy from that standpoint. It's not like he came in with all the pomp and circumstances, some of the bigger names that we've seen over the last five, 10 years. People knew his credentials. People are quick, wondering, like, how quickly is he going to be able to show that on the court? And we're, you know, 10 games into the season, and he is just dominating on both he looks ends. Looks like of the one court. of the best players in the NBA. Forget Absolutely. the rookie class. Absolutely. Absolutely, like. man. I mean, he's been incredible so far. And uh, I mean, and this is just a little taste. You know, I mean, he's still learning some of the things, but I mean, I sit there and say he's still learning. You know, he's a, he's got advanced learning. I mean, he's come in here and he has fit right in. And I think for for him, it's just going to be more of developing his body and developing his game, you know, yep. and he's caught up with the speed of the NBA. That's not been a problem for him. No. He's He knows where to be on the court. He plays hard. Um. He does the right things. And like, this is his baseline. It's only going to go up from here. That's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about Evan Mobley, who shows us something new every night, by the way, like one night he could, you know, he could have 10 points, eight rebounds and three blocks, which, you know, solid line for a rookie. And then the next he can have 26 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. And you're just like, what? <laughs> uh, but then you look at his front court partner, part of the twin towers, as they call him here in Cleveland, Frobley, if you will. Jarrett Allen, your NBA Eastern Conference Player of the Week. They went 4-0. His averages were ridiculous. He averaged over 20 points, 16 boards a game. I don't know what his field goal percentage was, but I know it was high. Won every game. On the year, he's averaging 15 points and about 12 boards. Blocks. Steals. My God, all the steals. He is looking so mature. And what's crazy is that he's like almost the same age as some of these young guys that are part of the core. Yet he has four years of experience. He's in his fifth year now, but he has four years of previous experience already. That, I think, you're looking at that deal and you're seeing the potential of this and, you know, hope everybody stays healthy, everybody stays in this groove because – if he's making $20 million a year and that's what you got him at, that looks like a coup. It looks like a real coup. And, I mean, you look at him and Mobley growing together. You look at Darius Garland, who is just taking pull-up three after pull-up three like the team has asked of him. And he's going to be taking more now that Colin Sexton is sidelined. You can probably expect about eight to ten threes from Garland a game now. That three right there. That's the core you're building around. I think you're in good shape. And, and I know he's not part of the core they're building around, but when it comes to the season, Ricky Rubio has done a really, really good job and he's going to be oh. asked to do even more without Sexton. Oh yeah. No, he will. Uh, I think he, my gut feeling, my gut feeling is that they're going to end up starting Okoro. Um, Bickerstaff told us at practice today that 
if all goes well, he'll come back. He's missed the last five games with a hamstring injury. But I think that Okoro will start at the two. And the irony is that the organization views him as a two. Um, so he's starting at the two. You keep Ricky with the twos on the bench. Not to make everyone confused. Ricky with the bench, not the second unit. <laughs> um, so I, I think that, you know, keeping that together, maybe you give Dylan Windler a little bit more playing time because he's showing a little bit more uh, of an ability to stay healthy and get some threes up the way that they thought that he would when he was a first round pick three years ago. Um, you know, you look at Jetty Osman, who's been a catch shoot machine, not to the level of Carmelo Anthony, but damn near close. Uh, he is shooting a ridiculous percentage on Ricky Rubio's passes. That's a really interesting stat if you want to look that up. But, you know, you put all that together. You still don't have Lowry Markinen back. You still don't have Kevin Love. They're in the COVID protocols, and yet you're still winning. And I'm not saying that they're winning convincingly. They're, they're in these really tight games, and they're in tough, difficult positions. The one in New York was honestly their biggest win of the season. But – they just looked really look really locked in right now. It looks like there's something special brewing in the locker room, like JB said, and uh, everyone's having fun with it. And it's the it's the energy that comes with it. It's the ball movement. It's every. It's almost like when the Wizards were going off like three four years ago, and they had the everybody eats. Right. This is what I'm seeing with this team. There, Brian, there's not anyone on this team that averages over 16 points a game, yet they're seven and four. And quite the opposite of the Lakers and the Warriors, the Cavs have had a badass schedule to this point. Oh, my God. And they've won five games on the road. That's not. And they were in it with the game with the Lakers. It's just in the fourth quarter, they kind of melted a little bit. They just got cold. Yeah, that's not an anomaly. You can't make that up. Like, I don't know, man. I I think they're legit. Well, We'll see. I, I want to see it for like a whole month, and then I can be like, okay, I'll buy it. But well, this, that, this this Sexton injury, it it could be like a, a you know a, a cloud over the the success that they've had so far because they are going to miss his rim rim pressure, um, and his ability to score in transition. And I think we're seeing a lot of the same traits when it comes to the Wizards and the way that they are playing this yes. year. We know that Bradley Beal is the star of that team, but. They bring in three guys from the Lakers. They get two of them. Are, well, and all of them are actually playing really good defense. I mean, say what you will about Montrose Harrell. He's an undersized center, but he's a guy that plays with a lot of energy. He's more of a regular season guy than the playoffs, but he's also got a chip on his shoulder this year. Didn't like what happened last year. Didn't like that the Lakers benched him down the stretch or didn't play him as much. You know, Kuzma and KCP have come over here and they're both pros and they're playing really good. You know, Kuzma probably could shoot a little bit better, but the guy's almost averaging a double double. And then they went out, you know, they bring in, you know, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie as well. So you got another, you know, really good, you know, established pro on this team. And they're playing really, really good basketball so far. You know, they're going to get Hanchi Murray coming back here pretty soon. And, you know, you're seeing, you know, Beal's going to put up, you know, the most points, but at the same time, it's not like he's having to put up 30 a night or anything like that. They're able to share the wealth and you're seeing a complete team, you know, so far, and we'll see if this holds up, you know, but right now, I mean, they're, they're doing the right things and we're seeing the best Washington team that we've seen in a while. And that's what I told you before the season started. I was like, I really like the makeup of this roster. And the thing is, I mean, I know you, you want continuity, 
but you bring in a new coach and you let these guys kind of mesh together. Now they're not quite as young as the Cavs. They're a little bit more experienced. They have, uh, you know, a lot of, of years under their belt. They're still relatively young, but in NBA years, they have a little bit more. Uh, you mentioned Trez. I have enjoyed watching him so much this year. It's reminding me of the end of his Rockets tenure and the beginning of his Clippers tenure, where he is just absolutely an animal uh, out there on the floor, almost like just bruising his way around, getting every offensive rebound and just outworking, out hustling everybody. I, and I love his friendship that he has with, with Bradley Beal already. He's doing the stuff in the, in the press conferences after the, the games. It's really fun. Uh, you could tell he has something to prove and, and he, he knows it. Uh, but that, that connection just uh, between those two, I think is huge. I'm but loving you bring in the other guys. I mean, everybody kind of knows the role. You didn't have anybody yeah. that was a superstar anywhere else. They understand their role. They're not trying to do too much. No one is trying to say, I'm going to be the guy that does this, or I'm going to, I'm going to do more than I did before because now I got to get my shots or now I got to get this or now I got to get that. I mean, I know you could sit there and say like, well, Kuzma thought that he could be a better offensive player. He, I mean, he's averaging 14 points and nine and a half rebounds. I mean, like I said, he could be shooting a little bit better, but Kuzma knows his role, you know, with his team. I mean, he knows what he's done before. He knows what he's good at, and they, they know where they need him. He understands that. KCP definitely understands that. I'm going to play defense. I'm going to shoot threes. You know, I mean, so, I mean, I think they they bought into the roles, and nobody's trying to do too much. And when you do yes. that, it's just going to accomplish so much more, and we're seeing it play out so far. And the perfect compliment to Bradley Beal, Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, like. You know what this dude is capable of. We've seen it when the Brooklyn Nets were his team three years ago, uh, like or four years ago, whatever it may have been. I'm losing track of time, Brian. I'm getting old. Uh, but Spence, like perfect. The guy that gets inside is able to shoot the three, sets up other guys, allows Bradley Beal to play off the ball. Sometimes he'll play off the ball and Bradley Beal will have it in his hands and find him. Like these are the things that, make a team a team is is being able to bounce off of one another and that's how you build something uh, I, I even like the guys off the bench like i like seeing aaron holiday get the, the amount of time that he's gotten oh absolutely uh, kind of, that was kind a of a cast kind of a castaway from from the the pacers and no he's not going to be an amazing offensive player uh but somebody with that kind of defense and the ability to knock down the threes hitting 47 percent of his triples right now um and and just uh, is a menace uh, as far as getting into the lane and uh, playing good perimeter defense. Uh, I love that. You know, like I, I've talked Gafford at length about great. Yeah. I've, I've talked at length about Gafford when, when I talked to him last season uh, and, and he was very, you know, um, open to the, you know, the conversation we had uh, about his development and how his path hasn't been easy. And he got paid this past season, past off season. So like, there is a good, good thing brewing with Washington right now. Really looking forward to seeing Cleveland and them meet up because I think they match up really well. Um, maybe not size wise, uh, but just in the sense of two teams going in the right direction and really buying into what they are are trying to accomplish. And this is the other thing too uh, with Washington, man. Uh, they are allowing only twenty nine percent from three right now. They are one of the best perimeter defensive teams in the league. And you could probably credit that mostly to KCP, as you were saying, as I say, look at that, look at two of the 
the uh, wing perimeter defenders that they got, KCP and Kyle Kuzma. Yep, and it matters. And it does. It matter. comes full circle to what we talked about first, Brian, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. It does. I don't think there's any other big news that we miss. Uh, I, I know that uh, you know the the Celtics have their problems. Maybe we'll dig into that a little bit next week, a little bit more. Uh, but I think that uh, we're good here. Oh, so, let me throw out one thing because, you know, Jalen Brown's going to be out for, you know, a week or two with a hamstring injury. I just wanted to get your thoughts on this one. Kangs? Oh, there's also that, of course. <laughs> when the um, rumor came out that the Celtics might be interested in one Ben Simmons oh, yeah. and Jalen Brown would have to be involved in that, what was your first thought? Uh, the Celtics need somebody to set other guys up. I was completely wrong, right? We're just watching the product. The offense is just still hero ball dominated. Um, Jason Tatum commands the ball. Jalen Brown commands the ball. And there's not much energy in the ball when it's in their hands. They're supremely talented and can get whatever buckets they want, but it's a really tough way to live. See, so, my, my first reaction was... Um, who fed that? Because they've got quite the agenda. I don't believe it for a second. Okay. I have Nothing a hard else. time. I have a hard time believing the Celtics are ready to give up on that pairing. The only way I could see them breaking it up is if Bradley Beal was involved because Jason Tatum has been like going, feels like out of his way to kind of say, Hey, I'd love to play with my own buddy. Um, but the Wizards are not doing anything with Bradley Peel. As much as people wanted them to do something and move him in the offseason, he ain't going anywhere anytime soon. No, no, I don't think so either. Okay, I think that'll do it. That was a mouthful, but I was happy to talk as much as we did this week. Lots of Lakers stuff. Maybe, maybe we'll lay off the Lakers next week after Brian went on his tirade. But I think it was very good. I think it was healthy for him now that he's gotten all that off of his chest. Um, very productive day. Very productive day. Okay, this has been Keep It in 94 with the boys Spencer Davies and Brian Fritz. You can find me on Twitter at Spin Davies as well as Instagram, same handle. Brian, you can find at Brian Fritz on Twitter and on Instagram. It's a little different. It's, it's Brian Fritz on Instagram. Of course, we are part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Got other great ones for you to listen to. Of course, the Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., the Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy, the rematch with Atan Thomas, Dishes and Dimes, and of course, like I mentioned before, Nothing But Bets, which is a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery uh, via Prize Picks, our friends over there. So make sure to like them, subscribe, rate, review, comment. Do the same for us so we can continue to talk to you every single week about the NBA and basketball and all that good stuff. College basketball season starts tonight, so have fun watching the Champions Classic. I know our Matt Babcock and the BasketballNews.com draft team will be all over the prospect scene as it comes to the 2022 NBA draft. Long time from now, but you never stop thinking about it, especially if you're a Pelicans fan. Oof. Too soon. Too soon. All right. That's all I got. You guys take care, and we will talk to you on the next episode.